The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide uh, with your friend and mine, world-renowned, very, very highly acclaimed uh, local author Howard Linsky in the hot seat. Hello, Howard. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm, I'm okay, thank you. No one cares, though. So, you know, oh, well, don't I care. Ask. I care how you are. Yeah, you, don't. You, don't even talk, well. you don't even talk to me if the, if the red light's not on. Don't That's give it that. That's true. Unless, unless the meter is running and the peer's coming into my <laughs> bank account, I just ignore you, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, aside from having uh, um, lots of books out in some good bookshops, um, how Howard also has a passion for films and he comes on here uh, and he talks about uh, his choice of the best films to watch on free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. Also, we have a film that is too good to be forgotten and uh, we will find out more about that one a bit later. But we'll start things off by looking at uh, new releases on, on the old streaming services and in the cinema. So let's go with the cinemas first. Uh, and uh, yeah, tell us uh, tell us what's what. Okay, well, the first one we're going to cover is called Living, um, which is a British drama. Oh, it's classed as British. Who knows whether it's British money or British cast entirely. But uh, the definition of British or American films, etc., is a bit vague. But this is classed as a British drama film. It's directed by Oliver Hermanus. And interestingly, the screenplay is by Kazuo Ishiguro. And I don't know if you recognize that name, anyone out there, but he was responsible for the, the novels Remains of the Day and Never Let Me Go, both of which became very good movies. So I think this could be quite interesting. And I know that it's also um, one of the other credited writers, but, but because this is indeed a remake, isn't it, of another yes. film that was based on... A um, Japanese film called Ishiguro's- Akiru. Um, which is an Akira Kurosawa yeah. um, film from years ago. And uh, he was the guy who you know, famously did uh, amazing Japanese movies, but he also did movies that were remade. For example, The Magnificent Seven, yeah. based on one of his. So, uh, yeah. And um, and The Good, The Bad. No, yeah, yeah I think that the... Oh, I didn't know that was trilogy. a Kurosawa um, influence, but uh, possibly... Yeah, I think, I think The Man With No Name and, uh-huh. the, you know, the first one of those, the, was it A Fistful of Dollars, I think was based on, was it Yojimbo? I ah, think was the name okay. of the... Oh, well, there we are. And, and also it's, it's argued that Star Wars was based on another one of his as well, The Hidden wow. Fortress. Oh, I did not know that. You live and learn, don't yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, um, anyway, that was equally inspired by an 1886 Russian novella. And although I don't, uh, I haven't read it, I have actually heard of it. It's The Death of Ivan Ilyich by Tolstoy. Now, this version is set in 1953 London, and it depicts a bureaucrat, played by Bill Nighy, who realises he's facing a fatal illness after a life of a fairly mundane life. So obviously his outlook on life and the fact that it's, um, you know, slipping away from him alters and as does his behavior and uh, obviously people start to recognize that this guy is behaving rather oddly in their eyes so yeah it'd be interesting to see how this one pans out but that is the crux of it i do think that bill nye is um you know he he's a he's a national treasure isn't he he is isn't he yes and uh he, he for a while there he was in lots of stuff we joke about actors being quite ubiquitous the, the names that we've mentioned in the past but Bill I mean Nye he's no was, Olivia Coleman. no he's not now but he was <laughs> I don't mean he looked like her but for a while there he was like Stephen Graham and Olivia Coleman. and now he was in everything yeah and uh, you know he's getting a little older and perhaps not agreeing to every movie he does but he's still out there quite a lot but yeah. he is very good he's just 
I know he's a very good actor and, uh, you know, fierce like a crumpled bed sheet. And uh, as you say, he's a national <laughs> ah, treasure. But I, know, I know people that, that you know, they, they, they warm to his charm, shall we yeah, say. He's, very, he's a very stylish guy yeah. as well, you know. Yeah. He's a cool dude. Yeah. No, so, so there's somebody I know who, who listens to this show sometimes. So, so hello if you're listening, Amanda. You know someone who listens but to the show. Well I, done. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> taken me a while. Uh, I found her. Um, but no, she, uh, she was telling me that um, uh, she was once having l- a rather boozy lunch with a load of friends in a, in a nice swanky restaurant in London and Bill Nye was on a table nearby on his own having his lunch minding his own business and so I think they sort of staggered over um, and, and kind of oh said can we have a can we have a photo and he very graciously had a photo taken with them ah. and they thought do you know what what a nice guy that we disturbed his lunch he was prepared to have a photo taken with us they paid his bill and they ah. didn't tell him Oh, how sweet! And uh, and yeah, they they said they'd have loved to have seen his face when he went to pay, and the waiter said, oh, "It's all right." Those so those the ladies that, that paid for you that, that drunken gaggle of women over there. They they <laughs> they paid it earlier. Fair play. That's probably why he eats on his own. Bill, he works out yeah. that you know someone's going to want a picture. Yeah, and if they he looks at women, money, group of women you know, of a certain age, and he yeah, thinks, "Yeah, I can yeah. put the old I can smile get a lunch on." on yeah. This. yeah, yeah, good. Well done, Bill. <laughs> I, I'd do it too, and so would you. Which <laughs> mean you have done it? You do it. <laughs> So sure as nobody ever recognises me. I saw you in that St. Albans coffee shop earlier. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work. I had yeah. to buy my own coffee, oh, you know. Never mind. Oh, well. Anyway, Living. Um, also uh, starring in it is somebody who, the name may not jump out at people, but, is it, uh, oh, I've lost her name now. Is it Amy Lou Wood? Uh, I, I will find it in a second. But, she, yeah, Amy Lou Wood, who uh, is one of the stars of Sex Education. Uh, oh, the, right. the Netflix okay. uh, series and uh, and there was she a familiar face in there from Wolf Hall as well and I've not written the name down because my notes aren't as comprehensive as you know your average Wikipedia thing but yeah <laughs> one of the cast members looked familiar okay and I thought oh I've seen her in something and then I realised what it was afterwards yeah yeah so Amy Amy Lou Wood uh, was um, yeah she she plays one of the characters uh, Amy I think in fact I think she plays Amy, Amy, Amy in in, yes. in Sex Education I know she, the character yes. yeah she she played. I'm sure she played somebody who... Well, that, that's not a good thing, is it? I'm, I'm sure she was in some sort of biopic where she played somebody more famous. But I'm now looking at her credits and I might be getting confused with someone oh. else because I don't think it's her. But anyway, uh, that's the film Living that's uh, out on the 4th of November. Uh, there are there are a couple other movies coming out as well. Yeah. Tell us about the next one. Okay, so the next one's called Call Jane, and this is an American drama film with Elizabeth Banks playing a suburban housewife in the 60s who deals with her life-threatening pregnancy at a time when abortion was not just frowned upon, it wasn't allowed. And this, of course, is quite timely because we have a situation in America again where it's going to get a lot harder to, to get an abortion because they're banning it in numerous states. Now, um, what happens with this one is it, it's for medical reasons, even though she's a, a housewife with a family, a husband, etc., she, she needs to terminate the pregnancy because it could kill her otherwise. So she has to go into an underground world, if you like, where call, calling Jane is the solution. And Jane is a... Um, it's a pseudonym for for a group of women who facilitate the possibility of abortions and of course that gets them into potential legal minefields and uh, even jail time triple the kind of uh, you know the kind of scrutiny they would get for this um, supporting cast includes Sigourney Weaver and Kate Mara um, and it is directed by Phyllis I think it's Nagy N-A-G-Y or Nagy Nagy um, anyway it, I've seen the trailer it looks pretty um, good and as I said it, it's incredibly timely and I suspect that's one of the reasons why it was greenlit in the first place unless it's been several years in development but it couldn't be coming out 
at a more timely moment in US modern history, really. Mm, okay, that's Call Jane, which is uh, the second of this week's new releases that we are focusing on. Uh, the final one this week is called Watcher. Yeah, so this is a psychological thriller um, written and directed by Chloe Acuna in her directorial and screenwriting debut. Uh, the film stars Michael Monroe, Carl Glusman, and Bern Gorman. And it features an American couple called Julia and Francis who relocate to Bucharest, moving into an apartment building with a large picture window. Julia immediately notices a man looming in a window from the building across the street and watching her. Um, Francis, meanwhile, is working long hours and she starts to grow more and more unnerved by the man in the window who, who keeps watching her on a daily basis. And uh, what could possibly go wrong with that? You know, <laughs> that domestic setup. Yeah. So there's quite a few movies with that sort of theme of either voyeurism or, or being watched by someone, you know, in an apartment block. I think it's been gone ever since the days of Hitchcock and Rear Window, but you, there's a few of them around. Well, um, There was one on Netflix, wasn't there? The Voyeurs, which was more of an erotic thing, but it also had a thriller element to it. Well, I just realised partway through your description of that that I was looking at the wrong one on my screen because there is also a Netflix ah. series at the moment called The Watcher oh. but with Naomi Watts, but it's not that one. Oh, so okay. it's Watcher, um, which is a different which thing. Which proves our point. Yeah. It's a, you know, but, but, the, um, but, but you, if you think about it, it's got to be one of our greatest fears, isn't it? It's such yeah. a common fear that we're being watched, that we are, yeah. that maybe somebody is is watching us, somebody's haunting us. If if you feel a degree of paranoia, you're suddenly going to be seeing people that aren't there. I don't yes. mean literally imagining people, but but you know, seeing somebody who's actually just minding their own business. But you think, are they following? Well, me? in life, it's very hard to know how serious a threat is, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you look at something and think, is that guy watching me, or is he just staring off into space? Yeah. Um, is he, you know? dangerous or just yeah. looking a little vacant yeah and, uh, are, they, are they following me or are yeah. they just happening to go the same way i am you know so it plays into that and it, it is, does plays into the psyche and the yeah. fears that we have so okay. yeah that's um looks like an interesting watch having right. seen the trailer i, I i've um recognized one person as well in the cast so the the, the uh, person credited quite high is a, a chap called burn gorman who if people ever watched the Doctor Who spin-off Torchwood, he was one of the people in uh, Torchwood. Oh, I remember watching the early series of that. I think yeah. maybe the first two. Yeah. I don't know how many series it ended up in, but I, I don't don't... Lost, lost track of it a bit after that. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, he's an, an actor that was in uh, Torchwood yeah. back when, whenever that was. Well, that was a while ago, wasn't it? I think it was good, but it was quite dark compared yeah. to Doctor Who. Yes, yes, very <laughs> much so. Um, it was... Darker um, moments. Uh, Owen Harper was his character's name right. uh, f- from that. But uh, I, I assumed he was English, but in fact, he is American. Um, but um, I guess doing an Are accent. You're saying he's a, a rare American who can pull off an English accent. Possibly, yeah, and, unless he's that. one of these ones who was born there and then grew up here or Possibly, something like that. Yeah. But, but anyway, uh, that's the film uh, Watcher, which is the third new release we're going to tell you about now. Now, Got one more film to talk about because there is a film out, out uh, on general release at the moment that you have seen and you wanted to share with us a little bit about Emily. Yes, briefly, just to say that um, we, I think we talked about it when it was due to come out and I've now actually seen it. And uh, I, I really like this, mainly because of the central performance by Emma Mackey, uh, co- coincidentally in the TV series you mentioned earlier, the sex education one. But she seems to be having a moment. She's being in lots of things. Um, she did... Uh, um, she's a the French... English actress, as in born in, I think, France, bilingual. She's done um, a movie about, a biography movie about uh, Eiffel, as in Eiffel Tower, the guy who did that. Um, and she was also in Death on the Nile, mm. I think, as well, recently. Um, and she looks like she's evolving into a proper movie star, and uh, she's very, very good. She's good in this. She plays a fictionalised, obviously, version of 
the English writer Emily Bronte, because nobody really knows what went on inside her head while she was writing Wuthering Heights. There has been some controversy about this movie because quite a few people are writing in newspapers saying, hang on a minute, they're, they're showing Emily Bronte rolling around with a guy who was um, working for her father uh, in the church. So the, the affair that they depict in this movie is presumably fictional because we haven't had any evidence it actually happened but it's involving real people and it sort of explains how she could have potentially written Wuthering Heights now my my short version of that would be she had imagination she didn't necessarily have to roll around with her father's uh, cleric or whatever there he was but um, it's a good movie it's well filmed well shot well acted and Emma Mackey definitely a rising star and it's worth a, worth a watch if you don't mind Bending the historical truth slightly. <laughs> uh, also got in it Hastings from Line of Duty, I see. Oh, yes. Yes. And no interrogations required. No. Except, well, actually, he does interrogate her at one point. Does he say, like, for the benefit of the tape? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I put it to you, yeah. <laughs> Emily. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, Adrian Dunbar, of course, is the actor we yeah, are he's referring good. to. He's always good. It is. It, I think it says something to the quality of the TV series or the casting of the TV series Sex Education that so many of the, the, the young stars from that seem to be breaking out they into, are breaking out. into so, uh, other things. SES Rogue Heroes has got the guy in it who, I don't, can't remember the character's name or the actor's name, but he played the closeted gay bully in the first series and he is graduating into oh, yeah, grown-up roles, you know, as well. He so was he's in, he was in well. Vigil as well, that, that ah, yes. actor, who, yeah. who I, I will get to the name any second. Yeah, sorry, I, I threw him. that at you, didn't I? Yeah. Now, Googling frantically, quite rightly, to see who he is. But he's in, I saw the first episode of SES Rogue Traders last night, and uh, he wasn't unrecognisable in it. He was recognisable, but it's a very different role. He plays an army officer. Connor Swindles One of the, yes, that's is, it. Connor is the Swindles, actor. Indeed. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, so you've got him... Um, uh, Asher Butterfield, who'd already been in some Hollywood movies yep. uh, before ca- being cast in Sex Education. Gillian Anderson, of course. Yeah, she, yeah, uh, that's her breakout role. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, Nakuti yeah. Gatwa, who is now going to be the next Doctor Who. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, although, although uh, you know, um, someone has nip- nipped in there and he's decided to be Doctor Who before him, but he is still going to be a Doctor Who, just not right. the next... I've lost the plot with what happened with Doctor Who. So, so he know, was announced sorry, as being the next ignorance. Doctor Who. I thought and he then, was going to be, is he not? No, because they, they did a bit of a twist at the end of ah. the, the, the final one with Jodie Whisker the other week. Right. And David Tennant's back as Doctor oh, Who. I saw that online and thought it was a spoof. So no, I, so I, I, David yeah. Tennant's now been the 10th and he's going to be the 14th Doctor Who. For a while. Uh, for the next year, they're going to do three specials with him oh. back in it. And then it's going to be Nakuti ah, Gatwa. Okay. Um, How but, weird. Because I thought, is that just an almighty spoof where, in fact, it was going to be yeah. David Tennant all along? and they just announced some other guy oh right but no yeah it, I honestly thought it was a fan thing when I saw it on YouTube and I thought oh I won't even click on yeah. that so no. oh go. by the way spoiler if you're if, mm. if, if you're a fan of Doctor and you haven't yet seen that episode yeah, you know, don't, don't that. listen yeah. to this yeah. bit that we've already said never mind no but but yeah lots of anyway my point being lots of um, young actors from sex education who yes. all seem to be doing rather well and, and, and certainly going do. on to yeah. greatness so uh, that's um, yeah that's the film uh, Emily that is still out at the moment uh, and we'll have more from Howard Linsky in a moment Hi I'm Matt Adams the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast a weekly look at the news views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans as well as our delve into the local stories that matter we regularly cover topics including health food and drink legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. 
Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Time to take a look at the new releases on streaming services. Just one on Amazon Prime to talk about this time round, and it's called My Policeman, out uh, on the 4th of November. Yes, I was going to say, I'm going to talk about My Policeman, but that would have sounded odd, wouldn't it? But yes, it's... Oh, come on, we all know you've got one in your pocket. Uh, I see, who hasn't? You know, who hasn't got a friendly policeman they can call on, pawn and bribe? Um, Anyway... I digress. It's an American romantic drama film, and it's based on the novel of the same name by Bethan Roberts, directed by Michael Grandage. The film stars Harry Styles, who is, uh, you know, been out recently with um, Don't Worry Darling, so he's yeah. having a moment. Um, Emma Corrin uh, from The Crown, who played Diana, I believe, and Gina McKee, who most people have heard of, I think, and Linus Roach, and it's also got Rupert Everett in it as well. It's set in 1950s Brighton, and it's a story about a gay policeman, Tom Burgess, who marries a schoolteacher, Marion Taylor, um, who obviously is unaware that he is gay. Otherwise, I guess she probably wouldn't have married him back in 1950s Brighton. And he continues to be in a relationship with Patrick Hazelwood, a museum curator. And the secret they are all sharing, or eventually share between the three of them, threatens to ruin them all. So this is back in a day when not only is it frowned upon to be gay in our society, it was actually illegal until the 60s. Um, so uh, I guess like a lot of men back then uh, to deflect attention from his gear, uh, lifestyle or leanings he married a woman and you know pretended to settle down but carried on seeing the guy he was in love with so yeah that's the drama okay um, and uh, yeah as I, mean, I say this an awful lot but it does seem to have quite an interesting cast uh, yeah, Harry Styles seems to be trying to make something of a name for himself in, yes I guess the singing wasn't working out for him he probably couldn't make enough money uh, to, to support the he was only job. in the world's biggest band yeah. for a while so, so yeah exactly so he yeah. has to have a day job now and yeah. uh, go back to that and he, Hollywood star and all that yeah, but, yeah. but you're interested to see I haven't read reviews of this I've seen the trailer and I've read up on it but um, he didn't get the best of reviews for Don't Worry Darling but um, I thought he was alright in that I didn't think mm. it was great it was a great a great um, headline for a review that said that that, that film was styles over substance oh yes yes which yeah. I quite enjoyed yeah. um, and I like that movie I thought it was very good so I was in the minority as usual well, I, and I had mixed things because whilst mm. it seems that some of the critics were somewhat lukewarm to Harry Styles I heard he was quite good not, and not yes. just from you no he was I mean he was perfectly good and I think you hit on the, the nail on the head back then it wasn't so much that he wasn't Good, but some of the supporting cast were very good. Yeah. So when you're surrounded by very good actors, uh, you know you've got to be damn good to compete. So, yeah. but he was perfectly. Had he not been the guy from the band, uh, if it had just been an American actor or a British actor playing that part, I'd have thought, yeah, he's fine. Okay. Uh, and um, and yeah, also uh, Gina McKee, who uh, would be, I mean, she was, I mean, she was in Line of Duty amongst other things. Yes, in the first. Our season. friends in the north for those with a long yeah. memory. Yeah, but loads of yeah, things as well. Things, yeah. Atonement, Notting Hill, uh, you know, lo- lots of other things. Um, and Linus Roach. Now, I I knew of this actor. I'd heard yes. his name, and he's been his in dad lots as well. of things. Well, yeah, didn't realise who his dad was. So his dad is um, yeah. is Ken Barlow. That's right. I mean, I remember him come becoming well known in the 90s for doing a couple of quite gritty movies i think one was about where he played a priest um and i'm and at the time i was like oh that's the bloke in Corrie's son then but uh, obviously he's been around for a while and done all kinds of things whereas his dad has just done one thing for a very long time yes 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 yeah, I, I don't just, know if his dad's worried about being typecast i think he might be now yeah, yeah he's unlikely to get many film roles on the back of being in Corrie for 170 years or whatever so. it is but one, one, of, one of the interesting things about Linus Roach is if you look him up on IMDB um, there's a section often that says about you know sort of biographical information and it lists perhaps parents and things like that oh yeah he's got down three parents three yeah 
Okay. I mean, it's you know. All right. Fair it, enough. Yeah, it says it says here uh, on on the screen. It's it, greedy, isn't it? Really? Well, it seems so because parents. It says Anna Cropper, William Roach, Sarah Roach. I'm ah. guessing one of them is not as much of a parent as they may think they are. Yeah, or possibly a st- you know stepdad or something, or stepmother or whatever it is. Well, know? yeah, there's two yeah. women listed there, so maybe one's yeah. a stepmother. Maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, well. but but I thought ordinarily people tend to have two parents. Yeah. Um, but oh, well. uh, anyway, uh, that's uh, that's the film uh, that uh, is out on uh, Amazon. Uh, it's not called that anymore, is it? Prime Video. We'll get on Knuckles. Oh, sorry. Yes, I keep so, calling it Amazon well, Prime. Force of habit. I'm you afraid. and me both. But no, on yeah. Prime Video, it's obviously people forget we said anything else. Prime Video, uh, My Policeman uh, is out on the 4th of November. The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St. Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Each time that highly, very highly acclaimed, very world-renowned, highly acclaimed. Uh, world-renowned local author yes. Howard Linsky is on the, the, the <laughs> film guide. He always brings us a film that he deems to be too good to be forgot. Oh, hang on, we were going to do that with, a, with an effect, weren't we? Well, we? Well, well, yeah, yes. He always brings us a film that is... Too good to be forgotten. Max Hartington, if you're listening, that's how it's done. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Max, one of our other hosts, he tries to do something similar and he always messes it up. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry, Max. <laughs> oh, he's right. He's young, he's young and awkward. Um, anyway. old and awkward. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Uh, oh. So, uh, yeah, each time a film that, uh, that Howard deems to be too good to be forgotten. And he's, he's picked a film from 1997. I do remember this hey, film. You do, yeah. I do there have a go. memory I was of asking movie. if you know that one. Yeah. But <clears throat> what's, what's interesting with this one, it's called U-Turn and it's, uh, like I said, 97. And it's American neo-noir crime thriller film, um, it's described as. Now, I think a lot of people have forgotten about it. And I wouldn't say it's the world's best movie, but I did enjoy it. But the pedigree behind this movie, it's directed by Oliver Stone at a time when, you know, he may have faded a little bit from view. But back in the day, the guy's movies were massive. Now, it's not like he did a small independent film with a cast we've never heard of. This one stars Sean Penn, Billy Bob Thornton, Jennifer Lopez, John Voight... Powers Booth, Whackin' Phoenix, Claire Danes, and Nick Nolte. How about that for a cast? I mean, that's not that's shabby, is it? Pretty non-shabby. Um, it's based on a book called Stray Dogs by John Ridley, who wrote the screenplay as well. And it features a guy called Bobby Cooper, who is a drifter in debt to a violent gangster. So he's getting away from the city. His car breaks down in a town called Superior, Arizona. Stranded and broke, he meets Jake and Grace McKenna, a father and his stepdaughter, who are also a married couple. Yeah, They secretly approach Bobby, uh, each one of them, to kill the other for money. Desperate and in fear, Bobby approaches Jake about killing Grace. Ah, the plot thickens. He becomes attracted to Grace and agrees to kill Jake. So there's twists and turns abounding here. And then he wants Grace and himself to be together and use Jake's money for a new start somewhere else. And as I often say with these movie premises, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Uh, complications ensue, and there's a, there's a real scene-stealing cameo performance by Billy Bob Thornton as a mechanic who um, keeps attempting to repair Sean Penn's car, but then it just gets worse, and every time he sees it, more bits have been removed and more money is required. And, uh, yeah, Sean Penn just goes down... Uh, the the rabbit hole really here on this and it's it's a very good movie with a good payoff at the ending okay so if you like your neo-noir crime give this one a go now I seem to recall that I think this film suffered as this happens all the time and we have talked about this on more than one occasion with the fact that around about the same time another film with a similar premise was also out 
and and it all, it often seems like Hollywood is in a you know there's no such thing as an original idea and yeah. you know there's so many examples of this you know um, usually the first out of the blocks gets the you know the accolade or the box office and then yeah oh well I've seen a movie similar you know. and I'm now struggling to think of what the other film was there might have been one called Wrong Turn that might have come oh, out okay. at a similar time yeah. there was also I think it was not it was near this there was a film that featured brad pitt in it called california right and and that was something to do with hitchhikers and yeah and it, it might have been around wrong. about i mean it might not have been the same year but things like the last seduction there was quite a lot of noiry stuff kicking around then mm. and some of them did well and some didn't but it was, mean, it was specifically the thing about like the the, the sort of you know dr- drifters and hitchhikers and you know picking somebody up and it all going a bit horribly oh, yeah. wrong and and that was <clears> yeah so california it starred david duchovny and an actress called Michelle Forbes, yeah, but co-starring was uh, a, a, a relatively unknown at the time, Brad Pitt. Yeah, and and yeah, they pick up, you know, this couple driving across America pick up this other couple, and Juliette Lewis was also. Yeah, I've not seen that. Yeah, yeah I, know, I know the one you mean, but I haven't seen. Yeah, it. and it all goes a bit wrong ah. to say that, but, uh, but it certainly goes wrong in this one. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, what a what a you know Oliver Stone. I mean, you look at the list of films he's knocked out, um, and and as you say, that cast as well, that really is a yeah, stellar. I, I cast. could understand it being completely forgotten if the cast were just a bunch of youngsters a bit like when Coppola um, you know in the early 80s had people who'd never been heard of and who were big stars now but he did mm. low budget movies for whatever reason but this one pedigree in there is amazing I mean it's interesting to see how far down the cast list you've got quite good names like uh, Joaquin Phoenix and yeah. Claire Danes so right down near the bottom he's young and plays a jealous boyfriend who Sean Penn constantly has to try and avoid fighting but in the end has to fight because uh, Joaquin, if from memory serves me correctly, Joaquin Phoenix plays the jealous boyfriend who will not take no for an answer as regarding, look, I'm not interested in your girlfriend. Will you back off? You know, um, So it's an interesting, also a cameo really rule mm. for him. But yeah, if you, you, know, you want to see these guys when they were starting out, check them out. Yeah, okay. That's the film U-Turn that uh, Howard Linsky has uh, claimed is too good to be forgotten. I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast, One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story, and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week, I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is, you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St. Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's one-to-one with Elspeth, part of the St. Albans Podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. We've reached the final part of this week's film guide and it's always in this part where we look at our host's choice of films on free-to-air TV for the week ahead. So, um, very highly acclaimed local author of world-renowned Harold Linsky, where are we starting? (laughs) I love the way it's contractually obliged to describe me thus. We're starting with Booksmart on Friday the 4th of November, which is on 9.30pm on BBC Three. And it was a directorial debut of Olivia Wilde, who, coincidentally, we, we mentioned her movie, Don't Worry Darling. Uh, yes. Um, so she's certainly in the public eye at the moment, um, seeing Harry Styles as well. So that's caused a lot of pr- uh, press columns. But anyway, we're going back years and years to 2019, merely three years ago when this movie came out and was a bit of a sleeper hit, I suppose, where maybe the expectations weren't massively high, but it, um, it did really well. Um, and it's basically... Uh, a movie that stars Beanie 
Feldstein and Caitlin Diva as two graduating high school girls who set out to finally break some rules and have a party on their last day of classes. Um, the premise is that they've worked really studiously all the way through high school. And the idea is that they get pay off because they get to go into Yale. Um, and when they are confronted by classmates about them being bookish and boring, they say, well, it was worth it. And all their classmates reveal that they are also going to good schools and they also had fun. And the two girls belatedly think, oh, God, crikey, we didn't have enough fun while we were in high school, so let's do it all in a weekend. So, again, what could possibly go wrong? But um, it's a it's a high school comedy. It's pretty intelligent. Uh, and it was a good one. It was worth a watch. And uh, I enjoyed it. But um, it certainly uh, helped Olivia Wilde to carry on as a director. And the two young stars in it have gone on to do other things too. And, um, yeah, it's worth a watch. Lisa Kudrow is in it as well. And Jason Sudeikis, who was with Olivia Wilde at the time. And now no longer is. And as you may well know, if you're a Daily Mail reader, <laughs> they plastered all over it every day. So that's Booksmart. Okay, uh, Booksmart is, uh, yeah, that's uh, 9.30pm on BBC Three, Friday the 4th of November. Let's move to Saturday the 5th of November, 11.50pm on Channel 4, uh, a film I recently re-watched, and it's rather good. Yeah, so it's, Ma- not, it's not at all too good to be forgotten. Minority be forgotten. Reports. Yeah, Minority Reports, a good one. Um, it's, uh, would you believe, 20 years ago, 2002. My word. Um, so it's a sci-fi action film. And it's directed by someone called Steven Spielberg. Whatever happened to him? <laughs> uh, it's loosely based on a 1956 short story, The Minority Report, by Philip K. Dick, um, who, again, we've heard of from Blade Runner et al. Um, it's set in Washington, D.C. and Northern Virginia in the year 2054. And it is about a specialised police department who did in pre-crime. So they apprehend criminals based on foreknowledge of what they're going to do but haven't yet done. And that is provided by three psychics called precogs who are basically kept in a, uh, well, it looks like a spa environment. They're just lying there in water all wired up. Um, And Tom Cruise plays a pre-crime detective called John Anderton. And a a young Colin Farrell in his breakout role is a Department of Justice agent, Danny Whitwer. Um, The other cast members include Samantha Morton as the main precog, Agatha and a Max von Sydow as pre-crime director Lamar Burgess. And it's a very good um, story, and it hinges on the fact that can you really say with certainty something is definitely going to happen or not? So people get arrested and imprisoned in a state of suspended animation on the back of things they haven't yet done, but were predicted to do. And then one day, um, the, 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 uh, the ball that comes flying out of the machine that is set up by the precogs says that the next murder will be committed by none other than Tom Cruise's character, John Anderson. And he has to go on the run to try and prove that he's an innocent man. And, uh, yeah, it, I mean, it has, to me, what, what's one of the best things about sci-fi is that there's it's not just about futuristic stuff and shiny, like, you know, space suits and, and lasers and stuff and aliens or what have you. It's actually got something of a some moral fibre to it and it's got a, a, very much a conundrum, you know. That, yeah, so developed characters yeah, that you like care ca- about. Yeah. But also, you know, that whole premise of like, could you arrest somebody for a crime that they might commit in the future mm. because they've not committed it, no. you know. And, and so that's quite the, 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 the moral dilemma, isn't it? That, it that, is, yes. You know, it's constantly is, referred to, not too much, but constantly comes back to in the movie, like, you know, is it definitely going to happen? Mm. And, and what is, you said, the moral 
um, code behind imprisoning someone for a murder they have yet to commit even yeah. if they're just on the verge of committing it and it's the whole thing about predestination and, yeah. and you know there's lots of lots of sort of very weighty issues that are, 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 are sort of you know considered in this movie mm. which I think is part of you know one of the great things about sci-fi I think it often does that it, it often looks at you know lots of Star Trek episodes did this sort of thing where they actually looked at more moral issues and you know it was yeah. cloaked in in you know spaceships and lasers but and it, things like black mirror that, that you know then took that idea of like well they're always focusing on an aspect of technology that alters life and alters humanity to an extent so yeah mm. it's a good one yeah and it's 20 years old i can't believe it's 20 years old but yeah but a great a great movie very well made by a master filmmaker steven spielberg uh, and and you know great performances from t- not least from tom cruise and as you say there colin fowell who who really showed what he can do yeah that's his breakout role i think yeah that's uh, minority report uh 11 50 p.m on channel 4 saturday the 5th of november let's move to sunday the 6th of november and uh we're sticking with tom cruise uh this is when he uh, shows what an actor years by playing a guy who's six foot five yes. uh, 9 p.m on film four sunday the 6th of november jack reacher never go back yes it's tom cruise on stilts yes i um, love a film <coughs> with a colon in it by the way oh good okay yes. well it's uh, yeah that's a good recommendation if it's got a colon in there it's going to be worth seeing but yes this is the follow-up to the first jack reacher movie that he did um and this one i think it was pretty good it's based on the novels by lee child as they all yeah. are <coughs> including the tv series where ish. the guy is it's, well, ish based ish. on it yeah yeah um, well, they're all based-ish, aren't they? You know, <laughs> as a novelist myself, I can see what they do with these things. Um, so it's the sequel to the 2012 film Jack Reacher. stars Tom Cruise again and Kobe Smulders, who's very good from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, mm. she's in that. Uh, and supporting roles from a variety of um, Hollywood uh, cast that I won't bore you all with because they're not exactly household names. But, you know, they're, they're, I'm sure they're... Uh, their mum is very proud of their work in this movie, but yeah, they're not exactly people you'll necessarily have heard of, unless you're going to tell me that you've seen someone in there in the list that uh, um, well, you usually one, spot someone you know. Don't well, you? I was going to mention um, Aldous Hodge, who, who's in there, uh, who is... Um, Albus uh, Dumbledore, was that? <laughs> I think you're being you're you're being facetious there, Just sir. Aldous uh, Hodge. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, but he's. I mean, he's been in a lot of films over the years, but recently he's been announced as playing Alex Cross in oh. an Amazon TV adaptation oh, of James the Patterson. James Patterson. Ah, well, then he will be a household name very soon. So, shortly, so yes. Yeah. Yeah, so if he's not, yeah, I think at the yeah. moment he's in um, Black Adam. I think that which is the film that's out in the cinemas yes, at the moment. It's right out this with, week, with isn't Dwayne it? Dwayne the Rock yeah. Johnson that came out a week or two ago. Yes. So in this one, the plot is following Reacher, who's going on the run with an army major, who is Kobe Smulders, who's been framed for espionage. So they have to um, tackle a, a very dark conspiracy. Um, and, and that's it, really. I mean, I think uh, with the plot, I mean, it's a bit like a Bond film. The plot is important, but it's mostly incidental for allowing Reacher to be Reacher um, and look after the underdog and uh, generally you know, kick some butt and all that um, and use his skills. And at the the other twist in this one is there is a character who is presumed might well be his daughter, which he was unaware of. So he's got to interact with a, a young'un. Mm. And uh, being Reacher, you know, he's not used to that. So, yeah. yeah, it's a good movie. I thought it was a good Saturday night movie, as I call them. You know, I'm not being snobbish or dismissive. Um, I doubt that Barry Norman in his heyday would have enjoyed this one, but it's not a bad movie to sit and enjoy. So I was speaking to some friends of mine recently, a father and a daughter, who both have very different views of, of these movies. So the father enjoys them, thinks that Tom Cruise, he doesn't care that Tom Cruise isn't six foot five. He, he buys into the, the, the portrayal yep. and he believes that Tom Cruise has these skills and is this formidable 
formidable, you know, because Tom Cruise can pull that off because he's yeah, a very I good think actor. So. I don't think it's a problem. And, and and he loves them. His daughter cannot stand them ah. because she's read the books. Yeah. And, she's and, a reacher creature, as they call the readers and, of the and, books. Yeah. yeah. And and so <laughs> she just cannot imagine anybody that isn't because the the biggest thing about the character in the books is, is his huge. size. Yeah. Now, interestingly, and, you, and people will disagree with me on this, I'm sure, I started watching the TV series where the actor is almost as big. Yeah. So he looks it on yeah. screen. He's a big guy. And um, the portrayal I found after four episodes, I stopped watching it because Reacher became more and more annoying. You know, he was so resolute and not, and he didn't have the charm of perhaps the Tom Cruise personification. So I didn't watch it all. One of them. The one about the one that the first movie is based on. Okay. Which is the one where there's a sniper. Yeah. And I thought it was a good book, but um, I'm less invested. Mainly because I haven't got time to read 20 books with the same character in. (laughs) There's not an awful Uh, lot of character development in. in, You know, no offense to Lee Child. I know he listens. Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, really uh, child, he's a perfectly nice guy, and he's yeah. he's uh, he's had a few bob, I think. Yeah, from yeah these he's, he's made a couple know? of quid out of this. <laughs> but um, but no, it's it's that I think those who've read the books, those who are fans, Reacher creatures, uh, it would seem there was a universal love for the TV series, not least because the lead actor completely captured the character. Yeah, in, and in I the was books. I was going into that thinking I'm going to enjoy this, and I thought yeah. his sidekick, who um, I can't remember the actress's name, but she was also in Little Women, a uh, bit of a contrast, Little Women to Jack Reacher, but she was very good. But I got less sympathetic and invested in the character of Reacher the more it went on mm. because he was so damn resolute and uh, not very caring and I thought Cruz's performance was a bit not more nuanced yeah. or maybe it's because he's about my height I don't know you know I think I think that you're sympathised no well no I, I would say that probably Tom Cruise added a charisma and added a depth that perhaps wasn't there yeah maybe and, and made it maybe. warmer but but yeah. but yeah so if you're if you're you know relatively unfamiliar to to the, the the story and the character, you possibly would warm more to. That's very possible because yes. you know the, the the. I'm not saying that the guy who plays him on TV is is the best actor in the world ever, but he did portray the fact that that Reach was like a a man of few words. That, that yeah, that, no, his performance was fine. I just think with the character, I less, liked him less. But you're absolutely yeah. right. I haven't read a number of the books, and I think if you are the book reader, you, yeah. you he personifies what Reacher really is. Yeah, uh, but. You know that these movies that, that Tom Cruise did two of them, and this this is the second of the, these movies. And and Tom Cruise, yeah, he is a, a watchable person. He has this charisma. He has uh, a presence, and there is something in his performance where there is a, this confidence and self assurance that he could do several blokes in a car park an awful lot of damage if they wanted yeah. to pick on him. I, I never doubt that when I see it. No, and, um, I think he's very good at choosing scripts. I think he does good movies. I mean, whether you like the guy on screen or off screen or whatever. He always seems to do entertaining movies. You yeah. kind of know what you're going to get. It's yeah. going to be a level of quality there. Yeah. And and I think... And also, the I know this isn't the one we're talking about, but the first film that where he played Reacher, I loved the way that the story unfolded. You you followed the whole of the mystery from Tom Cruise's perspective. Yeah. So, you so, dis- you so as the audience, exactly you discovered knew, clues. More or less. Yeah, 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 you discovered things as he discovered them. I think there might have been only one or two scenes in the whole movie which weren't really from his point of view. And, and, and so therefore, yeah, you, you never learnt more about what was going on mm. until he learnt it. And so you really felt like you were following him along in this investigation. Anyway, Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, the second uh, of Tom Cruise's two. And he two, didn't. 
No, <laughs> I doubt. I doubt he is now. Um, no, I can't think he would bother no. now. Uh, but uh, yeah, Jack Reacher never go back. Uh, Nine PM film for Sunday the sixth of November. Let's move to Monday the seventh of November and uh, one forty-five AM. So technically into the wee small hours of Tuesday morning, but it is it's a Monday film, and it is called Nerve. Yeah, banished to the middle of the night, which I'm surprised by because it's not that old. It's only six years old, and I enjoyed this. I got this originally to watch with my daughter because it was a, a kind of a teenage thing. But it's also um, a nice sci-fi tech development movie. So the idea is about um, uh, a character played by Emma Roberts, um, famous surname, um, Julia's niece, I think, and um, Eric Roberts' daughter. Ah. Uh, and uh, Dave Franco and Juliet Lewis are in it as well. And it involves around, uh, revolves around sorry, an online truth or dare game, which allows people to enlist as either players or watchers. And as you progress... You get more and more money by agreeing to participate in a dare. So um, the main character is not normally very daring. She's dared to go on the, on the show. And the first thing she has to do is kiss a guy in a bar. And then it turns out that he um, starts dancing because he's also been dared to dance publicly. And then because people can contribute as watchers of this game, they're paired together and they have to go and do more and more daring things in the city starting with him taking her into Manhattan on his motorcycle, and then complications ensue. So I won't spoil it by telling you any more of the plot, but let's just be, you know, it's it's exciting because you watch them go through more and more unnerving things, and the dilemma is how far do you go, and if you stop, do you lose everything, and um, what's at the root of it all? And yeah, it was watchable, it was enjoyable, and I'm surprised it's been relegated to the middle of the night. I would have thought that there'd be an audience for that sort of movie a little early on, but check it out if you have uh, nothing better to do at quarter to two or if you have one of those fancy electronic devices or online ability to you know watch things at your own leisure okay that's <laughs> nerve um i i some I, I don't think there is much correlation between the time of day or night that a film is shown and how good it is um yeah. but i guess something has to go on at one forty-five in the yeah. morning so sometimes it's going to be a film i'm, that... I'm probably harking back to an old era where it was more likely to be something black and white or 40 years old you know even if it was in color yeah but um yeah anyway it's worth a watch also because i guess so much of this content now is available at other times of the day it that, is yeah um i don't uh, the... it's almost irrelevant isn't it that it's on yeah there. i mean you could probably go on the i know that website and watch it whenever is it all four which is the channel four streaming service i think lists some of the movies that are on the various channel four schedules i guess it's all licensing issues as to whether they all make it on or not mm. i know that um like bbc iplayer has some of the movies that they show on the bbc uh, you can also watch on iplayer so then they, they probably care less about the time something is shown than actually once broadcast they did. live on terrestrial telly yes. because there'd be a way of and also because they repeat these things so many times the chances are film four showing that movie several times over the next well, couple of even weeks when i do this this slot even in the same week i sometimes have a movie down for the tuesday and then i find out it's on the thursday as well and i'm, I'm looking to move things around a bit after yeah. that so yes you can see things um the same movies keep cropping up as well which yeah. makes my life harder because we'll have talked about them a month ago yeah uh, or even another host a week ago yes there's that yes <laughs> my perennial worry but anyway um but no nerve uh is uh on uh the 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 very 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 late monday night tuesday morning 1 a.m on film four let's move to tuesday the 8th of november 4 45 p.m on film four and if ever there was a film listed that i thought that's a howard movie it's mm. this one it's a classic the yeah. man who would be king from 1975 it's based on a rudyard kipling novella of the same name written a little while ago 1888 um, this one was adapted and directed by the great John Houston and what a pairing of lead actors Sean Connery and Michael Caine 
It also features Christopher Plummer as Kipling at the beginning and the end of the movie, and Saeed Jaffrey, who you might remember as well, is a, is a character in here. Um, it follows two rogue former soldiers who are non-com officers in the British Army, and they um, leave the army, set off on adventure in late 19th century British India, and they end up in a, a faraway part of the territory where one of them is mistaken for a god and made their king, and that's Sean Connery's character. And then it sort of unravels a bit for them, and it's uh, it's a it's a really good story. I haven't seen this in a while, but I remember most of it. It's pretty amazing stuff. So, I thoroughly recommend the man who would be king at four forty-five p.m. on Film Four. I watched it um, uh, recently for the first time, and uh, and and yeah, I was enthralled by it. And I mean, it's a great example as well of of you know how power corrupts. Hmm. You know, the, these two guys who, who, who are basically their chances, aren't they? They're, oh, they're, yes, absolutely. They're know, looking for money, really, yeah, initially. And yeah. then it all gets a bit complicated. And they find the a way of are. exploiting a village in <coughs> yeah. India and, and installing one of them as the, 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 the king and giving him yeah. godlike powers. And, and he gets, he's going to get married. Yeah. It was a bit dark yeah. it, at that point. And, and, <clears> and they, they basically lose themselves. Yes. And, and I thought that the, the, the final scene, I won't say it's great. what happens it's in the really final, scene, final scene, but, but there's this realisation on both of them that we did this. We, we 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 pushed this too we were onto a good thing yeah. and we pushed it too far yes indeed and and you know there was almost like an acceptance of their fate at yes. that point and then there is a post sort of final final scene isn't there in the in the office where uh, one of them explains what happened uh, finishes his explanation and what he's got with him mm. and i will leave it at that no spoilers well okay. worth a watch that's the man who would be king 4 45 p.m on film for connery and kane uh, possibly one of their finest uh, performances oh, i think so yeah, yeah um, it's difficult for michael kane because he's done several sean connery kind of did the same part in most of his films mm. but occasionally he shone uh, even brighter and this is one of the yes. ones where he did this is where he shone connery yeah. he, yes <laughs> Very good. Bob. Okay, let's move to Wednesday the 9th of November, 9pm on Film 4, Le Mans 66. Yes, also occasionally known as Ford versus Ferrari. Yes. Um, so <clears throat> in some European countries, it says on my notes, but I think it was Ford versus Ferrari when I saw it. And I got the DVD. And um, I worked for Ford for a number of years. Um, and I'm only mentioning that because I'd actually heard of this story more because of that, because it's gone down in folklore over the years and it's when Ford took on Ferrari at the aforementioned Le Mans 24 hour race in uh, in 66 um, and they took it upon themselves to to do battle with these Italian racing giants who'd won the thing for numerous years on the bounce um, and the plot follows their team of American and British engineers and designers who were led by um, the designer Carol Shelby who's a bit of a legendary figure in that world and his British driver Ken Miles they are played respectively by Matt Damon and Christian Bale and uh, it, it shows you know the, the, the lengths they went to to try and uh, build a new racing car from scratch which is the again the legendary GT40 and I've seen one up close you know when we, it's a museum piece these days but um, a while ago I did see this car and it has an aura about it and um, they, they went and took on the perennially dominant Italian racing team Scuderia Ferrari at the 24-hour Le, Le Mans race. And, uh, yeah, it's a really good representation of a struggle to do something that looked beyond them at one point and uh, then suddenly dropped into their grasp, as it were, because they were experts and they knew what they were doing. And their highly charismatic British driver, Ken Miles, was at the forefront of it. Um, yeah, uh, just looking up the title, it, it was known as Le Mans 66 in this country, uh, but Ford and Ferrari, I think, was where it was known as in America. Um, yeah, and I think for some reason the DVD I got had Ford versus Ferrari, but it was the right format. But uh, anyway, 
doesn't matter. It's Ford versus Ferrari, Le Mans 66. Yeah. Um, and now you could, one could argue that, that this sounds like it's been done a few times before because there's been, in recent years, there was the film Rush. Yeah, which, Rush is a terrific film. Which, which yeah. is not set in the same era at all. That was in the 70s, 70s. I believe. And a yeah. different That's part Nicky of... Nicky Lauder and uh, James Hunt. That's it. Yeah. yeah. But then also, was it back in the 60s, we had Grand Prix with James yes. Garner. And Garner. in the early 70s, there was Le Mans with Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen, yeah. Uh, but... I, I have heard, I've not seen this movie, but perhaps you can bear this out, that I've heard that this is one of the best movies of its kind, yeah, I think including it really some of those classics. And again, it was one of those, I remember the reviews were a bit mixed, but I, I really liked this. I thought it was very good and uh, worth a watch. And I think Matt Damon's generally very good in most things. Christy and Bale, similarly, um, they, you know, they bring these characters to life and that matters, you know, because it's you have to care about the people they're playing, really. Mm. And uh, and one of the writers, uh, Jez Butterworth, St Albans... Uh, there we go. Lad. That's an Albans connection. Yeah, there you go. That's uh, Le Mans 66, which uh, is 9pm film for on Wednesday the 9th of November. Let's go to Thursday the 10th of November now for our final film choice for the week. This is 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. Yes. Which is on 1.10am on Film 4. So, wee small hours of Friday Another morning. Another wee small hours one. And it's also sometimes just known as 13 Hours, confusingly. But uh, depends on what format, format you get it in and which country you see it in, probably. But this is the true life story. Um... If I said it was directed and produced by Michael Beer, that might put some people off, but this was not some um, over-the-top, you know, daft uh, movie. This is a this is a quite lovingly recreated movie about what happened in real life in Benghazi in Libya after waves of attacks by militants on a compound, an American diplomatic compound, where the ambassador had previously been killed in a separate compound, and half a dozen Special Forces guys had to repel this attack. And... There's a fair bit of character development um, in there. Um, the, the stars of the movie are James Batchdale, John Krasinski, Pablo Schreiber, Max Martini, David Denham, and Dominic Famusa, with supporting roles from Toby Stevens, Alexia Balia, and David Costabile. And it's a good movie. It shows what they were up against. There's a lot of tension uh, in what was an incredibly uh, torrid time and a very changeable time. And it's a siege movie in essence because you've got half a dozen people trying to repel uh, a much bigger number. So uh, it's a sort of rocks drift or a Alamo style um, writ in a smaller scale with half a dozen real life characters, um, not all of whom came out uh, unharmed or alive at the end of it. So Mm. worth a watch, very tense. Okay, and uh, a film that sort of shows uh, the the range of John Krasinski, I think, as well. um, that, that uh, was was sort of predominantly known for comedy. Uh, he did The Office uh, in America. He did their version. But then su- subsequently he's done films like this and A Quiet Place and uh, the, the Amazon Jack Ryan series as well, uh, showing that he's, he's actually got a degree of range to him. Definitely. Hmm. Um, that's, uh, that's 13 Hours, which is uh, Howard's final film choice of the week, uh, 1.10 a.m. on Film 4 into the wee small hours of Friday the 11th. Uh, and... Um, Howard, I always ask you this, so mm. I'm expecting you to be very prepared with your answer. Of course. But which one of those movies, if you could only watch one this week, which one would be your choice of the week? I would recommend the Le Mans 66 one, the Ford versus Ferrari movie, on the grounds that most people have seen Minority Provot, etc. So go for the one you're least likely to have seen probably out of that bunch, and I thought it was very good. Okay, that's uh, that's Howard's choice for the week. Uh, thanks, Howard. Uh, next week is the return of uh, Chris Aikman into the, uh, the film guide Hot Seat, and uh, yeah, we will catch Howard again uh, real soon. Don't forget to go and buy his books, he tells me to say. Every time.